Hey everybody, this is Torque182, the other half of Our Moms Think We're Funny. So for those of you that have uh, followed the channel and have been keeping up with us, as you heard from our previous episode, Akomi and I are kind of doing something a little bit different here because of all the craziness that's going on, inclement weather, and just everything just being just as crazy and wild as it is. You all know because you're living through it too. Uh, this week we're actually doing solo episodes. So Akomi had his where he did a nice, um, confusing and aggravating and incredibly funny for me to listen to him uh, do a text-based adventure or a text-based walkthrough of the Hobbit adventure. Uh, so that was uh, that was entertaining just watching him just completely lose his shit. Uh, for mine, I decided to do something a little bit different. And so it's a lot shorter than Akomi's. For mine, I decided that I was going to just just do a uh, just kind of a uh, free form, free flow story, just a little short story or beginnings of a of a short story, uh, with really nothing in mind and uh, just kind of seeing where things go. And uh, so, what I'd like to present to you is the first part of that, and depending on uh, you know what you guys think of it or if I have anything more to add to it or say about it or where I think the story might go I may do some future ones and then uh, and drop those as well but just something new and different and experimental as we like to do on this channel when we're not being internet bullies or accosting someone or just raging at whatever there is to rage at we'd like to try to kind of vary things up some and try something new and be experimental so this is uh, my solo experiment by is it sharing with you a quick short story that I wrote this week? Sorry, so this is part one of Lost and the Forgotten. Lost and the Forgotten, part one, by Turk 182. Garen strangled himself with a synthetic wolf fur coat. He clutched the lapels and the collar in his right hand, bunching the material at his throat. The iridescent microfilament strands that made up the fur of the Zhuhan knockoff whistled against the wind. The harsh, lashing air scattered the shifting colors of the fur, making it look less like a rainbow waterfall or wavering sunset, and more like a fifth-grade finger painting. The retro-style knit cap he wore lifted in the front, threatening to fly away into the nethers of the abandon. Garen gripped the edges of the cap with his left hand and tugged it down over his forehead, covering his eyebrows. He lowered his head against the dominant wind and quickened his pace. A shiver ran through him as he shoved his unprotected hand back into the coat pocket, but it wasn't the off-season elements that made his skin prickle. It was the cracked, washed-out, gray sidewalk of Maker Street that hurried down Brambledon Drive, crossed at the next block, then West Ringle Drive, after that, Alton Drive, 84C, 25 Alton Drive. Home. Trudy skated across the unnaturally smooth, laminate floor on the balls of her feet. The thin-skinned socks she wore were made of anti-friction, a synthetic fabric that repelled certain textures and materials like opposite ends of a magnet. She glided like a flower petal on a pond from the kitchen to the living room and back. The cup of coffee she held in each hand gave a slight wobble, but never attempted to go over the rim. A light push with her left foot sent her from the kitchen and across the open-floor apartment with swan-like grace. She pivoted the left foot in front of herself and gave her hips a little shimmy. For almost a minute, 
her body was off the floor and seemed to hover in the air. The hip shimmy made her free-floating body turn delicately in the still apartment air. Her short, boyish-cut hair lifted and curved left as she did a full revolution before coming back down. Her left foot barely nuzzled the floor before she was airborne again. Two more pirouettes landed her a few feet from the foot of the bed where Garen slowly pulled himself upright. Trudy handed him one of the cups of coffee, then plopped down the bed, almost landing on his feet. Garen inhaled the rich aroma that drifted up from the full cup and held it in his chest. He'd seen everything, but his eyes stared blank and unfocused at the far wall. Trudy found his morning behavior unnerving and stared intently into the cup of coffee as if it held the secrets of the universe. She couldn't look at him when he was like this. It was like staring into the dead glass eyes of a doll. A doll that could say, I love you, with all the warmth and comfort of a fluffy teddy bear straight from the dryer, but the lifeless gaze of a great white. She glanced up occasionally to see if the life had returned to his eyes and he was normal again. The man she gave her heart to, and not the one that ruled her nightmares. Usually the smell of coffee and a quick, cautious sip brought him back to life. Garen had taken two cautious sips and one full sip, but was still in locked gaze with oblivion. Trudy lowered her head further down. Her tone was upbeat, trying to confront his voice and demeanor. What did you dream about last night? Not last night. He took another blank sip of the coffee. This was years ago, when I was a boy. Oh, she said again, but her tone had flipped to the opposite of what it was before. Well, what did you dream about last night? Was it similar? I didn't dream last night. Not really. But I never dream. But when I was... Garen's lips were parted, and his tongue moved lazily around near the opening. His eyes started to soften, and he blinked several times. Trudy could look at him again. Ten, he finally said. Or maybe eleven. I had a dream. What do you mean you never dream? Everyone dreams. You wouldn't be able to function if you didn't dream. I know, you dream during REM sleep, and without REM the brain can't recharge or, or rebuild, but, but I don't dream. I can't. Garen set the cup on the nightstand and scooted back until his back was against the headboard. There's a section of my brain that's malformed. Garen looked at Trudy to gauge her response. Her eyes squinted at the corners, but still maintained a curious nature. They hadn't shifted into total disbelief. A section of my hippocampus isn't working properly and doesn't produce proper theta waves or something. This can affect learning and memory. It also impacts sleep. I don't understand, Trudy began. You're not an insomniac. I've never seen you struggle to sleep. It's not like that, Garen leaned forward, his forehead almost touching his raised knees. He rubbed the short hairs on top of his head as if he were trying to stimulate his brain to come up with a better explanation as to why it doesn't work properly. I don't fully understand it, and Genus knows that I should try, but I don't. Garen grabbed the empty coffee cup off the nightstand and brought it to his lips. He needed something to focus on, something to distract himself from thinking about how stupid he must seem to Trudy. What kind of person wouldn't take the time to learn about their physical limitations? He set the gyro-stabilizing cup on his knee and watched it balance itself. He should be so lucky. The brain needs to rest 
to dream. It needs REM sleep to recuperate and re-energize itself. My, the hippocampus in my brain is malformed. It doesn't produce the necessary neurons or, or whatever that's needed to create REM sleep. So I don't dream, at least not like you're supposed to. I don't understand. How can you not dream? I've seen you asleep, talking in your sleep and moving. How is that not dreaming? Trudy struggled to make sense of what Garen was saying. It was ridiculous, and she couldn't begin to discern why he was making up such a blatant, unbelievable lie. When you sleep, when you dream, your sensory input decreases so that the body and mind can rest, but the brain still needs some form of stimulation and interaction. So it takes fragments of memories and stored sensations to create imaginary interactions. Something with the neurons in my hippocampus, either they don't work or aren't there. It, it keeps it from making these fake encounters, so I don't dream. Garen looked up at his girlfriend of seven years for the first time since he started telling her about his mental impairment. He so desperately avoided using the word disability. A woman who knew everything about him, or so she was led to believe, no matter how strange, like that he only butters the center of his toast, or embarrassing, like he always sniffs his fingers after picking his toes to see how bad his feet smell. But he kept this hidden from her for seven soul-binding years. It wasn't about his idiosyncratic tics or cringe-inducing behavior. It was about him being an invalid, an incomplete person, handicapped, a broken man that continued to break. Why now? The love of Garen's life spat. Why, after all this time, all these years, why didn't you tell me this before? Trudy's eyes were afire with a myriad of emotions, all screaming for attention. Garen looked in her seething eyes that roared with aggression. Because of that, he said with wounded sincerity. Because of that look in your eyes. Not the anger. I can accept that. It's the pity hidden deep behind the anger. Garen's gaze met hers and she was staring into an emotional wound that would never heal. His gaze was like a vacuum, pulling her love for him out of the anger she felt and into his fragile soul. I'm, I'm sorry, she said, with words too quiet and weak to travel through the air and to Garen's ear. They fell in a heap into her lap. I'm sorry, Garen spoke in a voice strong enough to carry the message to her, but no farther. My insecurities aren't a good enough reason to have kept this from you. You asked me about my childhood and growing up. I've never said much about it. Your mom, Trudy comforted. The rage in her eyes was dying quickly. She reached out with her left hand and touched his leg. Not just that. I don't remember a lot of things from back then. My condition. Because my brain can't pull fragments of memories to create these temporary false scenarios, it pulls whole memories and sort of offers them up as dreams. Then, like a dream, it dumps them when I wake up. Oh, God, Trudy exclaimed, drawing her hand back to cover open mouth. Almost all of my childhood is gone. It's not that I didn't want to tell you. I couldn't. Garen paused. My guardians agreed to an experimental procedure. It was the only option that seemed like it would help. Doctors replaced my retinas with a transparent digital nano mesh and implanted a microdrive in my hippocampus. The digital retinas record everything I see and send it to the microdrive. When I go to sleep, it activates a sort of 
virtual REM sleep the way the brain is supposed to. It grabs random memory fragments and sensations and creates a dream. You do have dull eyes, the emotionally spent woman said aloud. The two were silent for longer than either wanted. The only sound breaking the stillness came from the small cleaning drone that flittered around the apartment. The constant insect-like buzzing of its propellers followed by the occasional low rhythmic thumping of the sonic pulse and vacuum as it cleaned grime off the countertops, walls, and floors. Why now? Trudy questioned. Her vicious red eyes had been replaced with puffy pink ones that were filled with tears she refused to submit to. Why are you telling me this now? A few weeks after my mom was killed, I had a dream about it. Trudy's eyes doubled in size, and her long slender fingers gripped the loose covers of the bed and twisted them in her palms. Mom worked with some type of nano or ultra micro processors, capacitors, something like that. Her workroom was bathed in full bright light. There was barely a shadow to be found. I played this game where I'd try to sneak up on her. I'd hide behind the workbenches, under desks and tables. A smile slowly unfolded across Garen's face. She'd always see me. Garen started fidgeting as he started recalling the dream again. I was hiding under an old wooden desk. There's a man in a black or gray, maybe dark blue suit or jumpsuit, standing across the table from her. He points a whistler at her and pulls the trigger three times that sharp sound of forced air being pulled through the chamber with a high-pitched scream as it exits. It seemed to hang in the air forever. I can't hear anything but that sonic squelch. The man turns to me. He says something. I think. I don't know. I can't hear or think. Then he turns and walks through the wall. Garen looked at his hands, balled into fists so tight that his fingertips were digging into his palm and cutting off the circulation. He realized that his breathing was heavy and labored, and his chest was speckled with light sheens of sweat. Taking a long, deep breath, he tried to steady himself. I dreamed my mom was killed by a ghost. He took a deep pause before speaking again. The reason I'm telling you this now, all of this, is because I just had that dream again.